in the north of England, and it's really nice to be here with you all uh, this morning. For those of you who have perhaps not heard of Compassion's Ministry, would it be okay if I spent a moment just introducing who we are? So we're uh, essentially an organization that works with the most vulnerable children around the globe. We work in the 25 of the poorest countries, uh, and we work through local churches to provide the most incredible care for, for children like, like these kids here. We give them the chance at an education, the chance at uh, nutrition and, and health care, but most importantly, we do it all in, in a way that releases them from poverty, as you can see in our banners, releases them from poverty in Jesus' name. Every child gets the opportunity to hear who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for them, and ultimately they get the chance to respond to Jesus uh, in their own way, and for Jesus to become their friend, their Lord, and their Savior in their lives. So currently we have around 2 million children, just like little Moses here, who are in our care. They are sponsored by individuals like you, like me. We sponsor them one-on-one. -on -one. My wife and I, we sponsor three children. We sponsor little Abby. He's about five years old. He's in Ethiopia. Hymanette, uh, she's around six years old in Ethiopia. And a little girl called Grace, she is just about two, the same age as my daughter. And her name is Grace as well. And we sponsor these three children as a family. We are their only sponsor. No one else sponsors them. We write letters to them regularly. We send them pictures of our family. Sometimes their pictures are nicer than ours because it's quite hard to get pictures with your own kids. Uh, and we pray for them. And those letters exchange back and forth. And we can see the progression in those kids we had a young woman, her, her name was also Hymenot, she's now in her 20s, we sponsored her for many, many years, and she graduated from the program with a, a degree in mechanical engineering. She was a very, very smart girl, and has gone on uh, with the Lord, and has got a great career in front of her. And essentially, that's how we work. Two million children across 25 different countries, and we work with 7,000 local churches, not too dissimilar from this church. And last year, 158,000 children like these kids here put their hand up in, this, in a service exactly like this one and said, I accept Jesus Christ into my life as my friend, my Lord and my Savior, and I will commit to following him all the days of my life. How incredible is that? And it's just through people like us that decide, hey, we're going to make a difference. With the little that we have for £25 a month, uh, we'd commit to sponsoring a child just like Moses, just like little Stacy here at the front. Uh, so hey, that's just a really quick introduction to compassion. I'll share a bit more kind of as we're going. But if you have your Bibles with you, can I ask you to turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 31? I'm reading from the, the NIV Bible. I'm reading just two verses for you at this moment in time. Proverbs chapter 39, 31 rather, verses 8 and 9. If you find Proverbs chapter 39, you're doing well. Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9. It says this here, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and of the needy. Lord, I just pray for these next few moments, give me the wisdom, give me the humility, the strength, yet the boldness to, to share what I believe you've laid in my heart for these wonderful people. Lord, we pray your blessing upon us, Lord, and we just invite you to be here with us for these next few minutes. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I've been asked this morning just to, to share, share briefly, share a short message. And, you know, I'm not the most eloquent of, of preachers, nor am I the most schooled of theologians, but I'm good at telling a story. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to share just a few little stories. The first one is of the, the boy and the dad and the lunch. You'll have heard of this story before, no doubt. But a little boy sat down with his dad and they're having some lunch. And the little boy says, Dad, I need to talk to you about some disgusting bugs and the dad says, son, why are you bringing that up over lunch? And the boy said, dad, because it's very important. I need to speak to you about these bugs. 
And the dad at this point is outraged. He says, son, we don't talk about things that are disgusting over lunch. You can save it for another moment in time. So the boy said, okay, no problem. So they went on to eat their food. So around about half an hour later, they're sat and they're watching a movie together. And the dad pauses and says, son, what was it you wanted to talk to me about with these bugs? And the son says, well, it doesn't matter anymore, dad. And he said, what do you mean it doesn't matter anymore, son? And he said, well, the problem was, dad, the bugs were in your soup but you wouldn't let me talk about it at the time, so you just ate them with the rest of your lunch. There's the other story of the boy, the mum, the dad, and the monkey. You'll probably heard of this one too, but there's a little boy, and he's at Sunday school one day, and they hear all about creation, and he's very excited when he gets home, and he tells his dad, he says, Dad, Dad, I heard all about Adam and Eve and how God created the earth in seven days. How wonderful was that? Is that story true? And the dad said, of course it is, son. If your Sunday school teacher told you, it's absolutely true. And I believe that God created the earth in seven days and that we're all descended from Adam and Eve. It's absolutely true. So the boy, who was still very excited, then went to his mom and said, Mom, I heard today all about creation and and Adam and Eve and how we all descended from Adam and Eve. And the mom then said, well, actually, son, I, I think that we might have came from monkeys. And the boy is absolutely confused at this point. He then goes back to the dad and says, Dad, Mum said that she doesn't think we came from Adam and Eve. She thinks we came from monkeys, which is true. And he said, well, son, both are actually true. He said, now, everybody did did come from Adam and Eve, but your mum's side of the family, you see, they came from monkeys. (laughs) The third story I want to share with you today is about the blind man, the mute, and the everyday hero. I don't know if you're like me, but I love this story of a hero. I love all these superhero movies that are out in the movies all the time. I'm kind of a big kid at heart. I love to read and I love to study, but when I'm in my downtime, I love to watch movies that are kind of a no-brainer and I don't really need to think much. The things like the Avengers and Justice League and Batman and Superman and Ant-Man and Spider-Man and name the bug and there's probably a man that's a superhero after it. But I love these movies. I love going to the cinema late at night. My brothers and I have a kind of tradition that when these movies get released, although less and less when you have a young family, but we go to the two minutes past midnight showing on the day that it's released. I normally love to regret that the next day. But we, I think we all love these kind of stories of, of heroes that have extraordinary power. Perhaps it's extraordinary influence or wealth or abilities I think we all love these stories. You might not resonate with a superhero that can do things with his hand or fly, but there's 11 superheroes on a, on a pitch every Saturday that, that kick a ball up and down that to you may be your hero. But we all have heroes that we look up to. And, and I sometimes think that, that God isn't necessarily looking at us to be extraordinary. And I don't think we often look at the extraordinary, but for us, our heroes are sometimes the ordinary. For me, one of the heroes in my life is my mum. Mom is, is someone who I know regularly prays for, for me and my family and for us as her children growing up. And as a, as a young man, my, my dad didn't go to church for most of my life. Actually, my dad hated the church. He hated Christians. He hated the thought of God. And it wasn't until I was about 16 that my dad came back to the Lord. And I believe that was because of my mom's prayers. Every single day she would pray for my dad's salvation. Every single day, without relenting, every single day. My wife is also one of my heroes. She's one of the most patient, she puts up with me, loving, caring, compassionate people I've ever known. And we all have kind of everyday heroes. And when I think of this story of the blind man, the mute, and everyday hero, I'm, I'm going to challenge you a little bit and ask you, are you blind when you see need? Or if you see it, are you mute and don't do anything about it? Or I wonder if for you today, I wonder if you could be someone's everyday hero. When I was around 12 or 13, I remember being in a room 
probably around this size and been over in the corner with my pals and we're eating a packed lunch. I don't know what we're having, some sort of ham sandwich or I don't know, something. Wagon wheels or something, whatever you have in your, your packed lunch. And we're over here and I see my friend from primary school. I hadn't seen him in a few weeks. When you go to high school, it's much bigger. There's, there's a thousand kids rather than just a few hundred. And, and Doug comes in and, and some food's getting thrown around. And I thought it was just like a food fight. I thought, hey, this is fun. It's like American TV shows. But then it wasn't actually a food fight. It, it was, Doug was just getting his food thrown at him. And over a period of a few weeks and a few months, Doug's food wasn't just being thrown at him. It was being forced in his mouth. It was being taken off him and thrown in the bin. Then Doug was being thrown in the bin. Then Doug's food was being thrown in the toilet. And then Doug was being thrown in the toilet. And I remember quite, quite clearly it being one of the first moments in my life where, where I felt God really speak to me. And I felt God say, go help Doug. I'm 12 years of age, and these are big guys pushing Doug around, and I'm like, I can't do it. And over time, I just kept, felt, kept this little kind of thing. What are you going to do? 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 And over about a period of two years, Doug eventually had to leave the school, and I thought, thank the Lord, I'm off the hook. And I was a good Christian boy. I knew the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and I knew what Christmas was all about. I had my favorite Bible characters. If anyone asked me, it was David, but in real life it was Samson because he was really strong. <laughs> but I knew God. I think we sometimes assume that heroes are born. I think we sometimes assume that, that people that we look up to, they, oh, they were born that way. They were born with excellence. They were born with an ability to, to preach God's Word. They were born with an ability to pray. They were born with an ability to raise their kids well. They were born with an ability to save and not get into debt. They were born with an ability to be kind, to smile, to be encouraging, to have a cheerful disposition, to be of good joy. They were born that way. I think we often assume that it's something that's given and not something that's actually developed. You know, I love where it says, and I think it's in Ephesians 6, and it's in 1 Samuel 15, that obedience is greater than sacrifice. And I, I once asked one of my mentors that question. I said, I said, Pastor, why is obedience greater than sacrifice? And he said, because obedience is in someone else's terms. Sacrifice can be on yours. When we learn to be obedient, I believe that what happens is that something within us grows. This almost, this ability to, to be maybe a hero to other people. And for us, I think we've often fictionalized what it is to be someone that we look up to. The word compassion for those who don't know, the word compassion means to suffer alongside with. It's not just a feeling, but it's actually something that we do. It's something that we get on with. You know, we act and we suffer alongside with. There's a story of a man one day and how he, he was walking along the street and he fell into a hole. And as he's in the hole, he, he's shouting out and saying, hey, can someone help? Can someone help? And a, a holy man comes past and the holy man writes him a prayer and hands it to him and says, bless you, my son. And he's in this hole and he's looking up and he, he has this prayer and he's really blessed, but he's still in a hole. And then a businessman comes past and writes him a check. For those of you who don't know a check, it's like this kind of old school way of kind of transacting money, but he's got this check in his hand. So he's both rich and he's both blessed, but he's still in a hole. And then his friend comes by, come by and he looks up and he's, he sees it's Joe. He says, Joe, can you help me? I'm in this hole. And Joe looks down and says, I can help. And Joe jumps in the hole with him. And he looks at me and says, Joe, what are you doing? Why are you coming in this hole with me? He said, because I've been in a hole before and I know the way out. I believe that the true measure of a hero, the true measure of someone who understands the word compassion, to suffer alongside worth, 
is people that are willing to jump in the hole with you. You as a church are willing to jump in the hole with people in your community who do not have, so you give to Harvest, you give to your food bank. You guys are the heroes to your community, whether you realize it or not. That habitual, continual way of giving to those who you'll never see, who you'll never meet, you're the hero in someone else's eyes. You've acted alongside and you suffered with. You know, in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 22, it says that, that there was a man that was brought before Jesus who had a demon spirit that made him both blind and unable to speak. I think that when we see and we know that there is need in the world, we are either one of three things. We either are blind to it, we see it and we just pretend we don't, or we see it, but we then refuse to do anything, or we become someone's everyday hero. And by being an everyday hero, it could mean that you learn to speak up you learn to use your voice. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 1 says this here. These are the sayings of King Lemuel. Many theologians and scholars believe that Lemuel was actually Solomon. And this was like a bit of a kind of pseudonym, a bit of a stage name for Solomon. An inspired utterance, his mother, for those of you who know the story, her name was Bathsheba. She had an affair with Solomon's father, David. Remember that, she had an affair. She says, listen, my son, the son of my womb, do not spend your strength on women and those who would ruin kings. This was a woman who almost ruined a king. It is not for kings, Lemuel, to drink wine, for rulers to crave beer, and, de 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 and forget what has been decreed, and deprived all the oppressed of the race. Let the beer be for those who are perishing. Let them drink and forget their poverty. But you, Lemuel, king, warrior, influencer, you who have wealth and knowledge and power and the ability to do something, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and of the needy. You know, there are 400 million children 400 million, that's about half the population of Europe who live in abject poverty. That's not my definition, nor compassion. That's the UN's definition. We could fill in the city of Glasgow, greater Glasgow area, I'm including Lanarkshire, Renfrewshire in that. We could fill Ibrooks, Parkhead, Hamden three times over with the poverty just in that area. Yet for many of us, we see it and we ignore it, or we see it and we don't speak up. I want to commend those of you who do something about it, who give to those who do not have, who pray for those who need your voice, who need your prayers. This is like ideal kingly advice, the ideal advice for those who have influence. Don't chase women or food or drink, but humble yourself. In that humility, use your power to help, to defend, and to speak up. In, order, in other words, start jumping in holes alongside people and helping them. Use what you have to help those you know, you might be sat here today and thinking, well, what on earth could I do? I, I, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm, I'm too this, I'm, I'm too short, I'm, I'm, I'm too male, I'm too female, and you know, I don't know the Lord well enough, and I don't pray as much as I should, and I'm not as, as good a father as, as that guy over there, and I'm not as encouraging as, as, as perhaps Pastor Ross is, or, or, or perhaps as some of the, the rest of the church could be, but I wonder if you could do something today. I wonder if you could give to BMS. What an incredible organization. I wonder if you could give more than just a pound or two, giving away your change and, and what's, what's, what's maybe your scraps. But I wonder if you could give the best of what you have. I wonder if today you could sponsor a child like Moses or Stacy. I don't think 25 pounds a month is a huge stretch for many people. It's maybe like a coffee a week you've got to give up. For me, we gave up Sky Sports a few years ago. 
And every year we take on an extra child and I give up something else. And can I be honest with you? I don't miss the thing that I give up. But these children pour so much more into my life than I ever give to them. And how does that work, you might ask? Well, Jesus said this in the book of Luke, Give, and it will be given back unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back unto you. I don't give to get, I give to give. But can I tell you, God gives, it, gives me so much more back. I wonder for you today what you could do. I wonder if what's on your life is just an encouraging spirit. I speak in maybe... I don't know, 50 different churches every year, and it's a real blessing and an honor to be given the pulpit and the lectern. But can I be honest with you? You guys seem really welcoming, so I hope I can share this. But sometimes Christians have forgot how to smile. I think they have forgot where it is just to be friendly, to be of good spirit, to be of good joy. It's like we've got to be really staunch and miserable in church. And I'm not talking about throwing away tradition and embracing some sort of charismania. But I wonder if you could just be joyful. And encourage someone today. Encourage your kids leaders and say, thank you so much for all you give up every single week to let my children know how much Jesus loves them. Because all you're doing is backing up what we do in the home Monday through Saturday. To thank your pastor and your deacons and your elders for all they give in terms of the life of the church. Tell your kids you're proud of them before they sit an exam. Tell your wife how beautiful she is when she wakes up first thing in the morning before she's put her makeup on and, and got all dolled up. Or, or tell someone that you love them or tell someone that you care for them. You can be someone's everyday hero in the most simple way. Or I wonder if you're just blind to it. We've developed like a bit of compassion fatigue. We've depersonalized it. We've become jaded. Ah, you know, there's, there's people asking all the time. There's all these charities. There's all these things. I don't need to give to anything. We became skeptical. We've heard all these reports of, of misdemeanors and all these things going on. Or I wonder if we could be a generous people. I wonder if you could be someone's hero today. I wonder if you could speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of the poor and the needy. We have poor and needy everywhere. We have people in our communities. We have people in our homes. We have people in this church. We have people in our families. But we could be real life heroes if we decided to do something about it. Say, Don, I could do something. I maybe can't afford to sponsor a child, but with a few friends I could. I maybe can't afford to do this, but I could do this. We could do something if we speak up, but we've maybe fictionalized where it is to be someone's hero. Mark Twain said this, that compassion requires that we stand up for what we believe in no matter the odds. Your words and your actions have so much power. I want to show you guys just a really brief video and, and, and just share a quick story with you and, and we're going to close off with a hymn I believe just after that you guys just watch the screen just for a moment uh, a church service and uh, I'm with my, my girlfriend my, my now wife and, and uh, my friend Thomas comes in up the back and he's, he's got a friend with him a big beard and a big long hair and I kind of squinted like that not because my eyesight was bad but that's kind of what you do <laughs> and I looked over and, and, and it was Doug the same kid that when I was 12 years of age I felt God really speak to me to go and help him and I feel like I started sweating, like this cold sweat. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's Doug. And I don't know what to do. And, and the room sort of emptied and Doug was kind of hanging around. And he didn't know it was me. And I went over and, and said, hey, buddy, it's, it's, it's Don. It's Donald. And, and explained who I was, explained the context. And he said, hey, how are you? And we caught up for a few minutes. And I just said, Doug, I'm really sorry, mate. I, I really got that wrong. I, I should have spoke up for you. You get such a hard time at school. And the amount of days I used to go home, it was a shirt covered in blood after getting beat up after school. And I was like, 
I should have done something. And he laughed and he said, well, if you'd done something, they would have beat you up too. And then he, he put his hand out like this and shook my hand. He said, you never done anything. You and me, we're good. It's not very often in life we get a second chance, is it? It's not very often we get the chance to apologize to someone for a wrong that we made. But I wonder if for you today, I'm not saying that if you don't sponsor or you don't do something, you're in the wrong, but I wonder if in your life you've wondered if you could change someone's life. Can I tell you that sponsoring a child through compassion is the most incredible way for you to change someone's world, change someone's life? These kids, have, these kids that are sponsored through compassion, they're 82% more likely to gain a university degree than their unsponsored peer. You are their heroes. These people in this video, they have never met their sponsor, yet they speak about them like they're part of their extended family. So if I can encourage you today, I want to pray with you, and I think we're just going to head straight into to singing How Great Thou Art. If I want to pray with you just now, and if you feel you want to sponsor a child, I'd just ask you to come out and speak to me at the end of the service. Take one of these kids here. Maybe Stacy or Moses is for you. Maybe as we're praying, if you want one of these guys, we can figure a way to get them to you. But I'd encourage you to do it. It's the most incredible thing. It's the most profound way to make the most profound difference. And it's so simple. Can I pray with you just now before we, we close off? Lord, we just thank you for these wonderful people. Lord, I thank you for their welcome. I thank you for their hospitality. Lord, I thank you for their heart of compassion. The fact that they're even willing to host me today, Lord, suggests that, hey, we're willing to do something, to speak up for those who don't have a voice, to lend our credibility, our influence to those who have none. Lord, we pray a special blessing upon everyone here. Lord, we thank you for these children, the 15 children who are with us today. We pray that all of them find a sponsor. We pray they find a family that are going to bring them into their world to, to pray for them, to write letters for them. And we pray a blessing upon this harvest, harvest meal that's about to be provided, Lord. We're so mindful of what we do have when there are so many who do not have. Lord, we just pray this in your mighty name. Amen. And I believe we're going to stand and sing How Great Thou Art. <laughs>